y'all, and welcome to Shakespeare in the Village. My name is Risha, and joining me is my brother Michael, and our guest is still George for this episode. And it kind of didn't make sense for me to split up the last episode of him and uh, put in somebody new and then bring him back on for our episode. So we'll just have this one again with our final part of George, uh, at least for now. I hope you enjoy. He talks about the love of the language is kind of how our conversation is going here in this episode, how understanding the language is really important. And you have to do your homework as an actor to understand the language and what is being spoken so that your audience knows. So I hope you enjoy. Now here we get into a very dangerous place. Mm. No fear Shakespeare. <laughs> um, these, these books that came out that have the actual Shakespeare language on the left-hand side and so, a modern interpretation on the right-hand side. In high schools, no kid is going to read the left-hand side of the page. Yeah. They just read the right-hand side of the page unless they have to quote the left-hand side for a paper that they have mm. to write. So... The whole real ultimate purpose of reading Shakespeare is the love of the language mm -hmm. because it is some of the most astonishingly brilliant use of English language ever. Yeah, they're good stories, but he didn't make up most of them. Mm -hmm. A character by the name of Holland's, Holland, Holland's Head. I, I just realized the other day I was mispronouncing it. I've said Holland Shed all these years, but <laughs> oh, it's sure. not. It's Holland, Holland's Head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, that's where he stole most of his stories. And then he got some others like Romeo and Juliet from uh, Italy and stuff like that. So the stories are great. And the insights into human personality are astonishing. But the language, if you're not using the language, I don't know why you'd bother with it. Mm -hmm. So use your No Fear Shakespeare or mm -hmm. any version of that to get deeper into the meaning. But then put it back into the text mm -hmm. and realize that half the reason you go to see Shakespeare at least is because the love of the language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you get that question too, you know, when, when there's a particularly obscure passage or it's opaque and uh, you're trying to, to suss out what it means and then someone says, oh, this is what it means. Then, well, why didn't you just say that? Mm -hmm. It's because of the language, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and one of probably the one of the most famous misunderstood lines is, of course, Oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore mm. art thou Romeo? As if he's hiding down there. Yeah, he's hiding. So where are you, Romeo? <laughs> wherefore does not mean where. Mm -hmm. It means wherefore. It means why are you Romeo? Mm -hmm. And of course, then she explicates the rest of that by explaining to us, you know, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. So would Romeo, were he not Romeo called? Mm -hmm. O Romeo, doff thy name, and that which is no part of thee, take all myself. These are two families that are enemies, and so it's his name that is her enemy. Mm -hmm. So why the heck did you have to be Romeo? Mm -hmm. you know, and yet, in, even in movies that are parodying it, mm -hmm. it's always, wherefore art thou Romeo? Where are you? you yep. <laughs> and uh, so make sure you're not assuming. Now, there's some other things in Shakespeare, too, and that is his contractions. And so, like, instead of saying even, he'll say Ian. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes you watch a, a film of a professional actor saying, preferably a British actor, mm -hmm. saying those contractions so that you get a sense of how they should be said. Another one that comes up is splud, mm -hmm. S apostrophe blood. What the heck is that? Well, 
it's God's blood, mm-hmm. which is Christ. So he's making a, he's swearing by it, mm-hmm. you know, by the blood of Christ, da 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 da. But they just say splud. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's several or many like that. And learning Tain. how to say it appropriately. Yeah, yeah. Tain comes Tain up in much ado. Tain is the one that comes to my mind. Yes, yeah. yes that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Taken. <laughs> yeah. And there's one in Hamlet's very first speech in Hamlet. Seems, madam, I know not seem. Uh, okay, I can't remember the whole thing. So, But there is in there one of those contractions mm-hmm. that I've heard most people's actors say wrong. Mm. So it's good to watch Brana do it mm. and, and get something closer to what Shakespeare had in mind. And instead of if... That's not a contraction. No, it's a, it's a, uh, a more word of antiquity. The, yeah. the A-N mean, meaning essentially if. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. I've, that's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and now an, another thing that comes up in Shakespeare, and so you have to know a little bit of the history of the English language, is that in Middle English, mm-hmm. uh, the E-D at the end of our words indicating past tense was pronounced mm-hmm. as, you know, I walked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I looked. And by Shakespeare's time, that had started to disappear. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even being used in his day. However, Shakespeare retains it deliberately in certain places in order for the poetic beat mm-hmm. or the meter or what, what he's trying to accomplish is there. So sometimes you have to be careful. And in some Shakespeare editions, they'll actually put an accent over the E mm-hmm. um, to indicate that. But not necessarily in every script you've got will it be in there. Mm-hmm. Blessed or blessed. Mm-hmm. You know, armed or armed. Mm-hmm. Now, armed sounds re- blessed and blessed we get because we still say both of those. Mm-hmm. But armed, we don't say someone is armed. <laughs> you know, we say they're armed. Mm-hmm. And, and yet it could well work like in the passage. Well, it may, may it sort that this portentous figure comes armed through our watch. Mm-hmm. So like the king that was and is the question of these wars. And this is, they're talking about the ghost of Hamlet's father. Right. That he comes armed through our watch. He, he comes, he appears armed during our you know, watch on the, on the battlements. So sometimes using it, but then there are those who will use it over much in order to be sort of affectatious and oh, sound yeah. more ancient and <laughs> British. Yeah. And, uh, so uh, go with what your director wants yep. <laughs> on yep. that. But, uh, but there are times to realize that just a century before Shakespeare's time, the ED was always pronounced. Mm-hmm. So it's a good thing to just kind of keep in mind that that's uh, sometimes a factor in mm-hmm. Shakespearean language. Knowing the meter helps with that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Right, exactly. And then also Shakespeare makes cultural references that were either classical references, mm-hmm. which I already talked about, like Hecuba, or he will make references that were culturally understood at the time, mm-hmm. or to objects or things that no longer exist. Hamlet says, might his quietus make with a bare bodkin. Mm-hmm. You might as well be speaking Swahili there. <laughs> you know. Quietus, first of all, that's just a poetic way of saying, you know, Finding his peace, mm-hmm. quiet, quietus, finding his peace. But what the heck is a bear bodkin? Mm-hmm. Well, a bear bodkin was a dagger that had a round, call that the, not, not the shaft, but the uh, blade. The, thank you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Tough word. <Yep. laughs> the, the blade, that, but it was round. Mm-hmm. And uh, they carried it in the back of their belt in the back. Lawrence Olivier, in his version, does a really good way of explaining that because when he says might, he, might his quietus make with a bare botkin 
and he pulls it out. So mm-hmm. does Brana in mm-hmm. his version. He pulls it out and he aims it at that mirror that he's staring at. So to help us understand that a bodkin is a specific kind of dagger. Mm-hmm. Well, who would know that unless you've looked it up in a book? And quietus, you know, so there's a word that means finding his peace. In mm-hmm. other words, stab yourself right. with, <laughs> with, with, you know, your sword or with your dagger. And uh, in Romeo and Juliet, uh, the reference to, oh, I see Queen Mab hath mm-hmm. been with you. The heck is Queen Mab? Well, he actually does us a favor, and he goes on to explain who Queen Mab is, mm-hmm. because Romeo asks, who is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but even the explanation is a bit tough. Yes. You know? <laughs> so finding those things, Wait, for instance, the I'm sorry. Who's Queen Mab? Uh, she comes to you in your dreams. Mm. Oh. She's the one who weaves dreams. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. She lies athwart men's noses while they lie asleep. Okay. And so, yeah, she was kind of like the spirit of dreams or something mm-hmm. like that. A fairy creature um, yeah. riding in a uh, chestnut. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, in, in the 1968 version of Romeo and Juliet, the actor who appears later in the Mel Gibson Hamlet uh, many years later, the guy who has to do the whole speech about Queen Mab is fully cognizant, as well as the director, Franco Zeffirelli, that nobody's going to understand mm-hmm. what the heck he's talking about. He just acts it out by going completely bananas mm-hmm. in the scene. He's bonkers. Just, yeah, just totally bonkers. So I don't understand a word you're saying, but I get it. You're a bunch <laughs> of young guys out having a good time tonight, and you've probably had a couple drinks already, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have to know to understand the scene. So that's one of those times when, yeah, I know we're not going to get it. Another great example, just uh, going on to when Shakespeare does something that we just know the audience couldn't, isn't going to get it without research. The very beginning of Henry V, uh, when the Archbishop of Canterbury is explained the rationale why Henry can lay claim to the French throne, mm-hmm. is this long. And they edited it in Henry V, and it was still long. Mm-hmm. It's much longer. Um, explaining the entire, his, his, who he's descended from on the mother's side, and da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculous. So what Brana has his actor do is he has him go into this whole lengthy, convoluted thing that nobody in the room is understanding mm-hmm. in the film. And then he uses the last line as a punchline. Mm. He says, so it is as clear as the summer sun. Mm-hmm. And they all start laughing in the film because <laughs> they go, no, it's not clear at all. I didn't get any of that. Let's just go kill a bunch of French people. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, so it's a brilliant way to handle a difficult mm-hmm. passage that you can't throw out so how do we do this in such a way that it holds an audience today mm-hmm. sort of thing? Definitely some fun things you can do with things like that. Uh, with, you know, like that word quietus in, in Hamlet, that's one where the inflection or the attitude of the actor can make some of those words clear. Other things, you can use a prop to make things clear, like the bodkin, pulling a dagger, things like that. But there, you know, there are different tricks to aid in understanding or to just say, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't <coughs> get it right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And you can find a way to, to do something so that it, I'm not missing the main thrust right. of the story by not getting what's going on, you know, right, right at that particular moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let me see. What else can I mention? I guess, I guess it's fitting in some ways to end with Shakespeare's own advice on how to act uh-huh. Shakespeare, yes. which of course is from Hamlet mm-hmm. when the actors come in and Shakespeare is actually. Uh, or Hamlet is through, or Shakespeare through Hamlet <laughs> is giving advice to the actors who have come to the court to put on the play, 
And of course, this is Shakespeare telling us what he hates and loves about what actors do. Mm -hmm. So let me just read a little bit of it, or or a few passages of it, because it's really good advice. Speak the speech, I pray you, as I pronounced it to you, trippingly on the tongue. But if you mouth it, as many of your players do, I had as leaf the town crier spoke my lines. Nor do not saw the air too much with your hand, thus, but use all gently. For in the very torrent, tempest, and as I may say, the whirlwind of passion, you must acquire and beget a temperance that may give it smoothness. So uh, there's a lot of really good Mm -hmm. counts on there. And, you know, if you boil all this down, it's just... Pronounce it well and don't overact, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. basically. And so he would have had a really tough time with how he was performed in the 17th and 18th, 19th <laughs> centuries because they did a whole lot of sawing the air and Just declarative. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and here he says, Oh, it offends me to the soul to hear a, a robustious, periwig-pated fellow tear a passion to tatters, to very rags. To split the ears of the groundlings. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that were poor and didn't have chairs, they said. Mm-hmm. Who, for the most part, are capable of nothing but inexplicable dumb shows and noise. <laughs> find it interesting he insulted his audience. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I would have such a fellow whipped. <laughs> so, you know, it's not that he cares too much about this. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, he does. But be not too tame, neither. But let your own discretion be your tutor. Suit the action to the word, the word to the action. With this, special, or step not the modesty of nature. For anything so overdone is from the purpose of play, whose end, both at the first and now, was and is, to hold, as twere, the mirror up to nature, to show virtue her own feature, scorn her own image, and the very age and body of the time is form and pressure. Man, that's really mm-hmm. good advice. Mm-hmm. You know. So, you know, the modesty of nature. But we're, what is, what is, why are we doing theater in the first place? He, he gives mm-hmm. us a rationale here to hold a mirror up to nature, mm-hmm. to reflect. Now, and then this is maybe a parting thought, is that Shakespeare being so ancient, mm-hmm. you know, half a millennia old, how can we use that to hold a mirror up to nature today? to hold it up to the times in which we live. That's why we see Shakespeare done in different dress, in different periods, in different times. I think one of the most successful was that is Ethan Hawke's Hamlet, mm-hmm. you know, where he's the son of a corporation, of a CEO of the corporation. And so it, we still find what Shakespeare has to say about human nature relevant, mm-hmm. but we have to change the context in order to help us uh, relate it to us today. Mm-hmm. But the amazing thing about Shakespeare is that you can. Mm-hmm. It works. Mm-hmm. Not every reference, not every, you know, and obviously not the way it's being expressed in terms of the words, but he is so, he understands human nature so well, what it's like to be in love, what it's like to hate, what it's like to be ambitious, mm-hmm. you know, um, what it's like to be hurt, wounded, rejected. Uh, he knows those so well that you can take those words and put them into any context at any time, and it still rings true, mm-hmm. which is why it, it's 
some of the best stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it's literature. It's real literature. It's very specific to his time, but it's specific to any time. So I, I guess parting thought mm-hmm. <laughs> is that uh, if you're listening to this and you're an actor and you're thinking about maybe doing some Shakespeare, but you're just not sure if you could handle it because you're traumatized by your 11th grade English teacher or whatever <laughs> that might be, is that don't be afraid of Shakespeare. He's easier to memorize. And once you do a little bit of the homework that it takes to do it, um, he is a whole lot of fun to say mm-hmm. and a whole lot of fun to act. And he's so insightful and true to human nature that if you can get a hold of what that character that you're playing does, he, he'll give you the words mm-hmm. to say. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. (laughs) So vote for me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you again to George for coming on and talking with us and helping us continue to cultivate that love of that language and Shakespeare's language and just language in general. And next week, we do have another guest on the podcast. If you want to check her out beforehand, Her content is under Shakespeare with Sarah, Sarah with an H, and she is really, really cool. So go ahead and check her out if you want to before. Otherwise, you'll hear us talking with her on the next episode. Thanks, y'all. Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From From our our fancy fancy to to yours. yours.